Welcome to Building Fortunes Radio. Make sure you check us out at buildingfortunesradio.com. Along with our marketing partners, we're here to help our PM Marketing Network Lead customers build their businesses and make the world a better place. At Building Fortunes, we know how much your business means to you and the people important to you. So spread the word, tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world. Now on to our show with your host, Peter Mingles. Hello, everyone. Peter Mingles here. You're listening to us on Building Fortunes Radio. It's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. For anybody that's new and unfamiliar with my voice, my name is Peter Mingles. This is Scott Johnson's radio show. We do this on Saturday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. And I know it is February, what is it, February 3rd, the day after Groundhog's Day, which movie I watched again last night, which was really cool. There were a lot of scenes I forgot all about. But Groundhog's Day was yesterday, and for us over here in Florida, it's getting lighter, longer, or staying lighter longer, I guess would be the best way. So it's a good time of year for us. So over here in Florida, it's kind of warming up a little bit. We're outside of that uh, cold front that was here a couple of weeks ago. So on Saturday nights, we do this radio show with Scott Johnson. And for those people that are listening in um, that are unfamiliar with this, it started when uh, I built Building Fortunes Radio to be a platform for us to be able to talk about everything regarding entrepreneurship, home-based businesses, MLM, etc. And I always like to you know, try to encompass the whole story. So the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you've heard us say it before, um, when MLM is done right, it's really good. When MLM is done wrong, it's really bad. And I came from a direct sales management experience where a lot of the stuff that they do in MLM just wouldn't be tolerated. And uh, quite honestly, a lot of the people in direct sales and direct sales management were much sharper than the people that were in MLM, even in leadership positions, and we were shaking our head, how the hell are they out earning us? Because some of them were making like millions and millions and millions of dollars per year. And I did a radio show with a gentleman named Roger Van Vlissingen, uh, who brought a friend along. His name is E. Robert Smith. You can find those if you go search for those names on buildingfortunesradio.com. And Scott Johnson called me up. I remember the day, you know, it was kind of like one of those, where were you when Scott Johnson called? It was Labor Day because <laughs> it was a Monday. We had plenty of time to talk. He asked me about um, something, and I, he said something about, you know, there's something that a lot of people, including you guys, are missing talking about. And I said, what's that, Scott? And he said, the tool scam associated with MLM. So I wasn't, since it was the first time I talked to Scott, and we were having a nice conversation, I didn't really know that much about him or what he referenced by the tool scam, although I thought I had an idea. I asked him if he had a website. While we were in the conversation, he said, I sure do. It's stopthamwaytoolscam.wordpress.com. So I said, oh, I, you're talking about the same thing that I was thinking you were talking about because I was with Amway several times, and I quit every time because they were seeming to make more of their money on the books, tapes, and functions, which they call the system, um, at least in my neck of the woods. <clears throat> they called it the system. And I said, and um, I, that's the reason why I quit. So I'm glad you're talking about this. And we started talking a little bit more. So let's do a couple of radio shows on this stuff because you're right. Not, a lot of people are unfamiliar with this. And I came to the conclusion um, when I took a serious look at MLM for a career, I had flown up to see Dr. Charles King, who's a real professor who studies real marketing at a real college as opposed to some of the other ones on the anti-MLM side. 
who are I, they call themselves marketing professors maybe they write a couple of articles and maybe those universities just keep them employed for whatever reason um, mr. keep but having said that um, when I flew up to see Dr. Charles King and I was trying to figure this stuff out, I said, you know, Dr. Charles, it seems to me in this network marketing thing that you make money in the industry and you make money on the industry and that's the way many of the people are doing it. For those people, for definition of that, you make money in the industry, meaning on the commissions from the products that you sell and the downline that you build, and then you make money on the industry based on like the stuff that you do to support that, meaning if you're selling a book to your downline, you might make a profit. If you're building, and there were no websites way back then, but if you're doing meetings or functions, you're you may, maybe charging um, to be able to do that. And I knew what that meant because in my direct sales experience and direct sales management, we made money in the industry and on the industry, I was just interested in breaking even or not losing a lot because it was investment back in my business. But in Amway, it looked like they were making so much money on the business, not necessarily as much money in the business. And when Scott was talking about the tools, I said, yeah, let's do some radio shows on this stuff. So we did. And it's turned into one of our longest running radio shows. We do this every Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Central Time. Um, and with rare interruptions, with maybe holidays, weddings, uh, sometimes a, a technology glitch, but we're here every Saturday at this time. You can go listen to these radio shows if you go back to buildingfortunesradio.com forward slash Scott-Johnson or look for Scott Johnson in the title, and you'll be able to hear this as well as the previous radio shows. So it is always very interesting to say thanks, Scott Johnson, for doing your own radio show on Building Fortunes Radio. Hey Peter, good evening. Yes, um, it's it's really interesting how we crossed paths over eight years ago, and have been doing weekly shows now for over eight years. So it's it's really fun to do this. Um, you know, every week is a little bit different, and uh, this week is going to be a little bit different again um, because I was looking at some stories that are on BehindMLM.com, which is our go-to website for uh, stories. And I found some really interesting things as I, you know, dug into some of the backstories. But, uh, yeah, getting back to Amway, I was in Amway for several years, got scammed like millions of others, probably tens of millions of others over the years have been scammed. Um, and, and I found out about the Amway tool scam back in 2005 and have been speaking up against it ever since. And, and what that is, like you said, you make money in the business, which is the products and or services that the MLM is involved in. And then you, you make money on the business and, and the, the people in Amway that make money on the business, um, they lie by omission by not talking about it. They give the impression that the money that you are or that they are making came from the Amway business. In fact, most of it, when you get to the upper levels, came from the tools. And that's what makes the Amway tool scam a scam. If they were open about the money they were making uh, from the tools, then it would just be another profit center, uh, much like um, a guy by the name of Orrin Woodward, who was kicked out back in 2007. Um, he wrote a book and I think the uh, the first edition of the book had a little bit more information in it than the second and third and fourth, however many editions there were, because he was very much more open about the fact that um, 
he used the analogy of a car dealership and he came from the auto industry. So he, you know, was familiar with that, but he said, you know, there's a, an auto dealer and they sell cars and they make money selling cars, but they make a whole lot more money in their service center, right? Repairing cars, um, selling parts, all these kinds of things. And so that was his analogy as far as, you know, the Amway products versus the tool scam. Um, and he got a lot of heat for that. I think Amway forced him to write that second edition with a little bit less uh, obvious description of, of making all kinds of money on the tools. And um, he really didn't kick, get kicked out over that book, I don't think. He really got kicked out mainly over the fact that in 2007, Amway had announced that um, the name Quickstar that they were using in North America since 1999, they were going to go back to Amway over a two-year period. So it was one of those things where they made the announcement, and then you would see, you know, online or, or wherever the source was that you were looking at, they had Quickstar over Amway. And then after a little time, they had Amway over Quickstar, and then eventually Quickstar went away after that two-year uh, period of, of transition back to Amway. Um, but he got kicked out mainly because uh, they went back to Amway, and he didn't like it. A lot of upline didn't like it. Uh, in fact, that was one of those surprises that caught every single IBO to the very highest levels by surprise. Uh, usually they'll you know tell the high-level people, something before it actually happens and also ask for input. Now, you know, whether they change their minds over the input, that's a different question, but they usually do give them a heads up and they did not for this uh, name change back to Amway. Um, and so he got really upset, um, him and a bunch of other people, including my upline. Um, they were not in the same line of sponsorship, but my upline started using Orange tools um, not too long before 2007, I think. I think it was maybe late 2006, early 2007. Uh, but anyway, they all hung together and they all uh, got kicked out together. So, um, uh, as you as you mentioned, the the, the uh, tool scam, the system as they call it, is back in our day it, it was books, tapes, and functions. Right? It was books that were sold by the upline for full cover price even though when they when you buy them in bulk it's maybe a third or even a fourth of the cover price per book um back then it was cassette tapes and of course functions or meetings and there's all kinds of different meetings big ones medium ones small ones um all kinds of you know different uh, uh purposes for the meetings except the one purpose in common is to make money so and they make a lot of money at the meetings uh the the cassette tapes which evolved into CDs over time and of course the books now the the CDs have been really transitioned out now because everything's electronic so it's all MP3 MP4 downloads you know they make uh, uh phone apps where you can listen and watch these recordings on your phone um there's also voicemail website access so anyway there's just a whole array of of uh sources that they make this money from from the downline with the idea that they're training and motivating them um and i never had any big problem with the content not that i agree with everything but I don't think there's anybody on the planet I agree with 
on every topic. So, you know, it's not something that unless you agree exactly with me, um, you know, you're, you're just the worst person because um, we all disagree on certain things. Uh, but in, in general, I think the, the content is good. Uh, it's, it is repetitious. Um, I, I will certainly admit that it's, it's generally these stories of, I was poor. I worked hard at Amway. Now I'm rich. That's the bottom line. Um, and, and of course, individual circumstances and details are different, but that's the big picture message. And it does get monotonous when an individual keeps listening and, and watching these recordings. However, the idea is to recruit new people in because it's going to be new to them and, and they should keep recruiting new people in as well. So even though it gets monotonous to the people that have been in a while, it's brand new to the brand new people. They've never been exposed to it. So, you know, that's why I say, I, I think the content was good. Um, uh, and I know you have a different view, but you came from a, a business experience in direct sales. I did not. I came, came in right off the streets, as they say. Uh, I was, at the time, I was working in a nuclear power plant. Um, and so I was to business before, um, and, and it was being shown to us as a great opportunity. And back in the early 90s, it was January of 1993, when we saw the marketing plan, um, the growth was tremendous. There was all kinds of people, what they call crossing stage, which is where they're achieving new pin levels. And we would see people at the local meetings, the regional meetings, and the national meetings achieving all these different pins, and a lot of them. Um, and, and so it was hard to say this doesn't work. And so, and, and we also had professionals in our upline, right? I, I worked with a guy that um, also worked at the new plan as a middle manager. Um, and and so, uh, you know, I trusted him because we worked together and, you know, we were both um, Navy nukes back in the day. Uh, so we had that in common. And, you know, I, I trusted him. He seemed to be a trustworthy guy. Um, and, I, and I think he was because he didn't know all of this was going on. You know, you don't know this. In fact, most people in Amway don't know all these things. It's only the very top layer, um, I call them the, you know, the layer to top, the scum on a, on a, uh, you know, can of paint or a bottle of milk. They're just the top and they're the scum. And um, that, that's just who they are. They're, they're the big liars. They're the ones that know what's going on and just lie by omission. Um, but anyway, he had a couple of upline that were both doctors and then they had a couple so I thought I was in with a you know good group of people, um, not a group of people that were looking to scam me for sure, um, but they were. Um, that's, you know, the higher you go, the more. Uh, once you realize what's going on, the higher you go, the more you realize they're in on it versus being victimized by it and, and ignorant of it. So um, that's you know some of some, some of that backstory, as far as you know. Well, why would you join Amway? Well. Plus, there was no internet. There was no internet to go to. Um, we're going to see a, uh, a guy, um, one of the anti-MLM hunts tonight is doing a, a story on Amway. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching that after we get done with the show. He uh, He's quite a character, and uh, he doesn't know what he's doing, but there's a lot of people out there that don't understand this stuff. They don't know about it, or if they know about it, they don't understand the significance of it. That's, that's the part that puzzles me is 
you know, I've got examples on my website of, of people that were making, you know, twice, five times, even 10 times or more from the tools versus Amway. And people just don't understand how significant that is, uh, you know, when they don't talk about it. If they talked about it, it would be just part of the business model, but it's not talked about except by people that got kicked out and then they start talking and that's, you know, where I get my information. And if you want to see the, the specific examples that I've put on my websites over the years, uh, go to my Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Scott Tex Johnson, S-C-O-T-T-T-E-X-J-O-H-N-S-O-N, all one word. And it's all right there. You can see you know, the actual people making these statements, um, such as um, the the newspaper that they gave an interview to. You know, it's not me saying it, it's them talking about it to a newspaper, to, to a media outlet. So it's not something that I just dreamt up and said, yeah, this is going on, and trust me. <laughs> you don't have to trust me. All you got to do is look for yourself. Um, and I tell people that anyway. Um, don't get your information from one source. You know, get it from multiple sources. Even though I know I'm right, don't stop with me. Get it from other sources. Um, but I'll tell you this. The, the person that is telling the truth is the person that is willing to debate these things with anybody, and that's me. And I, I can't think of too many other people um, that are willing to do that. And, and so you really have to, you know, check yourself when you say, is this guy the real deal? Well, I am, and um, I stand behind the facts that I have collected over the years and the experience, my personal experience in MLM, which I think goes a long way to understanding things, um, you know, stand, understanding things that might be some detail that's not significant to somebody, but when I look at it, it's extremely significant. Uh, one of the recent ones we've covered, Peter, is the uh, Neora lawsuit where it came out in the judge's decision where the FTC lost big time, um, or bigly, as uh, Donald Trump would say, uh, but they, they lost every every part of that lawsuit. Um, there was five things they, they challenged, and you were on, and they were 0 for 5. The FTC was 0 for 5. Um, but one of the things that, that came out in that decision, the judge said that 30% of the new um, – I think they call them brand partners in Neora, the distributors, that's the generic term. You know, the independent contractors is basically what you are in an MLM. You're not an employee. Um, you're on your own, um, and, and you make commissions. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the business model. Uh, there's all kinds of other commission businesses out there that are not MLM, so it's not like if you're in a commission business, uh, you're in a scam. That That's that's a lot of the uh, the analysis that a lot of the anti-MLM huns assume, um, and that's why they just don't, don't understand a lot of different things, including that. Um, but the judge said, yeah, there was 30% of the new brand partners, um, or I should say the, the new brand partners, 30% of them came from um, people who were the preferred customers. And I look at that and I'm thinking that is a very high percentage to have almost a third of your new distributors to be previous customers, you know, preferred customers. Um, and it came out in that decision also that what happens is the preferred customers get a discount, but the brand partners, the distributors get a larger discount. And so a lot of these people who were preferred customers 
wanted a bigger discount, and so they became uh, brand partners or distributors. So, you know, that explains a lot. Now, what caused them to do that, we've talked about before. I won't go into those details, but it definitely raised my eyebrows when I saw that 30% number and started thinking about all the different scenarios that that caused that to occur, none of them being good as far as, uh, you know, Neora's image, but apparently the FTC passed right over it and their so-called experts passed right over it and really did not understand the significance of that and how that really is very suspicious on the part of Neora as far as where they get their customers from and where they get their distributors from. And again, I've I've talked about that in more detail in previous shows, so I won't go into it again. Um, But that's just one example. Um, And and so, you know, this whole thing with with the tool scam um, is, in my opinion, and I'm not a lawyer, RICO fraud, or at least business fraud, right? Because when you're asking someone to join you in a business and they leave out the major part of the business model, um, to me, that's fraud, business fraud. Um, it, it, you know, I think it's also RICO, you know, racketeering type fraud. Um, and so far, the FTC just hasn't picked up on it. So, so this is my first show, Peter, where I'm retired. And now I'm going to have all this time during the day, during the week, to talk to people like the FTC, like the Department of Justice, uh, and, and lots of other people, you know, whether they be politicians or whatever. Um, uh, so that I can find time that they're available during the day, during the week, and I will be as well. So I'm really looking forward to this new phase in my life and being able to become much more active as far as uh, schedules lining up. I've always been active. It's just a matter of, you know, you're busy during the day, during the week, and, and most of those people are not available at other times, and so it just it just is difficult to to – really interact with them in, in any kind of a significant manner. So anyway, that's kind of an overview of the tool scam. Uh, not all MLMs have that. Um, Amway obviously does. I think it's the biggest one. Um, and, and also Herbalife has one. I'm sure there's other MLMs. I've never really studied it. it it's hard, excuse me, it's hard to get information anyway. Um, so it, it would be difficult to understand which other MLMs have tool scams and how big they are and that sort of thing. Um, and I think it's just not that important. Um, it, it's really the idea of the tool scam and getting the FTC to recognize the significance of it and therefore require companies to report on it. Um, that's, that's really you know, where I'd like to go with this whole thing as far as the tool scam. Now, something that's much more common to the MLM industry is the lack of retail sales, which is sales to people who are not part of the compensation plan, the MLM compensation plan. They, those, those are what's called customers. Customers buy the products. Customers are the free market demand for the products, not the distributors. Distributors are internal uh, purchases. They are not retail sales. And the FTC settled with Vima and Herbalife back in 2016, which seems like a really long time ago now. It's going on eight years, right? Um, and, And both settlements, those companies agreed when they settled out of court and, and Herbalife is a little bit more of a sliding scale, but the middle of that sliding scale and where Vima 
settled was the 50% mark. So if you sell half or more of the products or the services that are being purchased from the MLM to retail customers, you're seen as a legitimate MLM in the eyes of the FTC as per those two settlements. Um, unfortunately, there's no law that defines that, and, and I think the FTC should do that. And I told them that back in May of 2022, um, and I haven't heard back anything yet, but, you know, these things take time. We know that. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'll certainly be in more contact with the FTC regarding that idea and other ideas um, in the very near future. Um, but that's, you know, the, the lack of retail sales is either universal or nearly universal throughout the MLM industry. Um, it, it's hard to find any MLM that will talk about what their breakdown is of retail sales versus internal consumption. So it's, it's one of those things I think if I was an MLM doing it right, in other words, having retail sales and, and no tool scam, of course, um, that I would be bragging about it. You know, I would show the numbers publicly and, and show people that, yeah, there's free market demand for our products or services, and that's a good reason to join us because people are actually making money selling our stuff. Uh, that, to me, that's a very positive marketing approach, um, but you don't see it. That's the thing. <laughs> so that further raises suspicion as far as what's really going on. So anyway, I'll stop there, Peter, and, and let you make any comments on those comments, and then we can get into uh, what we want to talk about this week. Nope. All good stuff. Happy um, retirement. And I know that's going to be an interesting thing for this radio show because we'll be affected one way or another by the new experiences and the concentration you have to be able to do the stuff that you want to do. So this radio show will take another notch up, I am sure. So this will be like the equivalent of 9-11. You'd say, where were you when 9-11 happened or when October 7th happened over with whatever that's going on? This is going to be a monumental date starting for whatever's going on in your life. Because like you said, um, it's hard to be an activist, let's say, um, when you have a regular job because you can't make those phone calls during the day because the people you want to talk to, I mean, you can do all the stuff you want to after hours, but the government employees or the lawyers, they're working nine to five, you know, in, in whatever time zone they're in. So hopefully you'll be able to get a lot in touch with a lot more people and who knows, maybe even get uh, more of them to be on um, uh, the building fortune radio show. So I'm looking forward to this. So as we crusade to, Talk about some of the things that happen in the industry. What's on your agenda for today? Well, uh, like I said earlier on, I came across some interesting stories. And, and let me just read you an um, obituary. Um, and I'll, I'll leave the names out just so I don't – well, no, I'll go, ahead and, I'll go ahead and say the names. We did talk about this story last week, um, but most people are not familiar with the names. You may not even remember the name, uh, but we did talk about – uh, this guy either last week or week before. And so it's a relatively uh, short obituary, um, and I'll just read it. Um, it says, Ryan M. Ginster of Corona, California, died Saturday, December 9, 2023, at the age of 36. He was the precious husband of Leslie Ginster, a doorstep father of Anthony and Ashley Aguilar, dearest son of Mark and Julie Ginster, devoted brother of Andrew 
uh, in parentheses, Katie Ginster, and the late Emily Ginster Parker, an uncle of his niece, uh, Phoebe. Uh, it says, Ryan adored his family and pets. He was a genius with computers and technology. I'm going to read that again. He was a genius with computers and technology. We're going to come back to that. He loved all sports, especially soccer, and was a diehard Cubs and Bears fan. Ryan had a smile that could light up the universe. He was fun, happy, and incredibly optimistic more often than not. He was well-loved, kind and courteous to everyone he met, and always willing to help out someone in need. He will be deeply missed, forever loved, and warmly remembered. Private memorial services for Ryan are scheduled for January 16th, 2024 in Corona, California. So doesn't this sound like a great guy? Yeah. Yeah, except he likes Chicago. Except he likes Chicago. No, I don't know. He's a Cubs and Bears fan, right? Mm -hmm. But do you remember this name at all? I don't, no. Yeah, I mean, we we did talk about it, but it was – Quick story. It wasn't. It wasn't in depth. But this was a guy that was in prison. He had been running a big Ponzi scheme, millions of dollars, um, and he committed suicide in prison. You, you remember covering that? I do. I remember the story. I don't remember his name. Yeah, it, it was Ryan Ginster. So it, it's just amazing and to me what, when you read obituaries. You you, you think yeah. he's the greatest guy that ever lived, right? Uh, and right. we're not going to talk about, yeah, he was in prison for a Ponzi scheme. I get it. You know, but don't be so, like, totally great guy. And, and what really struck me was he was a genius with computers and technology because that's how he ran his scam, right? He had all these websites, and, you know, he had people giving him money. He was making all the money and, and using it in his own accounts um, and just ripping people off left and right. So, um yeah, it's just one of those things that I guess it's one of my pet peeves um, with with uh, obituaries in general, you know, that this was the greatest person that ever lived. And and I, I get it. You know, you don't want to talk negative about the dead. And, and certainly, you know, people loved everybody that passes away, um, but not everybody is the greatest person. And certainly this guy did not deserve this kind of an obituary, in my opinion, um, because of who he was, you know, and what he did and, and the, the, uh, you know, the, the harm that he caused people, um, trusting him, giving him money and then it's gone. And, and, uh, another, another interesting part of this is they had a, I can't remember exactly when it was, uh, but it was in the last few months, they had a restitution hearing, um, for the victims. Well, none of the victims came forward. So there was no restitution. I mean, who are you going to give it to if no one shows up? Um, <laughs> I'm sure plenty of people could have shown up, and for whatever reason, they didn't. Um, and that's that's always been confusing to me, too, is people who get victimized by these scams often do not, you know, come forward and say, yeah, I lost money, here's the records, you know, I'd like it back. Um, it, it probably won't be complete recovery because you're only going to get a certain percentage back. And even if you get all of it back, you know, just think about all the worry and concern that you had for years, probably over losing that money um, and and having to do certain things with, with, you know, your financial uh, plans and everything, because you were ripped off like that. It's just 
I don't know, it's just appalling to me to to find such a nice, warm, lighthearted obituary, obituary about a guy that was a scam artist. I just, it's something, something about me just doesn't like that. But anyway, I, I just um, noticed that. Um, what I was trying to do is see if there was a follow-up on the the rumor, because it, it wasn't ever confirmed, but it was a rumor that he did commit suicide, and, and still we don't know the cause of death. I couldn't find anything online, but I did find this obituary. That's how I came across this obituary, trying to find out um, someone that could confirm that he did commit suicide, but there was every indication that he did. Um, and, and uh, you know, often the prison system doesn't like to talk about this a whole lot because it's it's not good publicity, obviously, uh, when people commit suicide in prison. So um, anyway, I'll, I'll stop there and let you make any comments and we can move on. I found that article. The interesting thing, and again, I didn't know anything about this company or the scam or this guy or his prison sentence, but the interesting thing is you'd say, oh, he committed suicide. He must be facing a long prison sentence, you know. 40 years, 50 years, what he's in his 60s or 70s, but he was 36, and his whole prison sentence that he, he pleaded guilty, um, and his whole prison sentence was 27 months. So the idea that anybody committed suicide with a prison sentence of total of 27 months is somewhat suspect. So obviously there's a lot of things going on that we just don't know. But having said that, Obviously, maybe family members might write a very interesting obituary, but the victims probably wouldn't. So uh, it, it, I don't know the whole story. I'd love to, it would be very interesting to find out the whole story because it would be it would be interesting seeing what's going on. Um, but why would you kill yourself? And this is total speculation, but why would you kill yourself if you're 36 and you have a 20-month prison sentence? I know you're going to be an ex-con for the rest of your life. But why kill yourself? Why not? You know, it doesn't make too much sense. But uh, who knows? We'll figure it out. And even if you don't have the money to pay back all the victims, um, that still doesn't mean that you can't have a life after your crime. So if you do your time, you've done your time. If you don't go back to it, but we'll see. But who knows? Uh, Maybe a troubled person. But back to you, Scott. Yeah, I mean, probably we we never knew the guy, so we don't know. But but. I would think he must have had some kind of, you know, mental condition, you know, a mental illness to do something like this. Uh, but prison is hard too, you know, even if it's 27 months, um, there's a lot that goes on in prison that is not nice. And he may have been picked on to the point along with his, you know, mental illness where it was just, I got, I got to get out of here, you know, and that was um, what he did. Apparently, I mean, we don't know again for sure, but that looks like is what happened. Um, so anyway, um, we'll we'll move away from that cheerful story <laughs> and, and and go back to uh, behindmlm.com, which is again our go-to place um, of of getting stories. <clears throat> and the very top one uh, that's that's there right now, I thought was interesting because we've talked about this. A couple times before this company, uh, it's February third, twenty twenty-four. If you're listening live or, or the recording, you can find this on behindmlm.com. The um, the, the uh, title is Transact Card Suspends DBO Recruitment. DBO is Digital Branch Owners, which I think is their name for distributors in this particular uh, outfit. Um, and, and they use the excuse that they were 
you know, bringing in new products or services or whatever. Um, and that's why they had to shut this down. I don't believe that. <laughs> I think they're going under because they've been going under for some time. Uh, banks keep rejecting them and, you know, it's, it's, it's a big mess. And like you say, we don't know all the details, but it's a big mess. And, you know, they're just trying to buy time is what I would guess is going on here, you know, trying to find an escape route, so to speak. And, you know, they're just trying one little technique after another uh, to stall, whether it be their customers or the government, you know, whatever. They're just trying to slow things down so they can make whatever maneuvers they think they can do um, to get away with this or escape, you know, one, one of the two. That's what it looks like to me. But anyway, I'll get your your uh, opinion on that. So I'll throw myself into this with a little bit more of a story. So Transact Card, with with full disclosure, I don't I don't know that much about them except what distributors have told me. Um, when Zeke Rewards, so I'm going to pull up the Zeke Rewards thing. When Zeke Rewards was hot and heavy and really doing a lot of stuff and it probably being written up on uh, behind MLM as well. Um, when Zeke Rewards was going, I was the president of the uh, uh, Association of Network Marketing Professionals, the ANMP. Um, I don't remember if we were at a different name as well, the DRA, Distributor Rights Association, but I'm pretty sure it was the ANMP. And I had a person that I knew that was in there. I knew two people. I knew the, I knew by association the owner of Zeke Rewards, and he was a good guy. <clears throat> but again, just because you're a good guy, everybody's a good guy. It's just because you're a good guy doesn't mean you can't be a crook. Um, and I knew the person who was acting as the COO, the chief operating officer, which basically was the person who was, uh, you know, uh, behind the computer programming and a whole bunch of other stuff uh, and the field force and all that sort of stuff doing and running the show. She's she also a distributor. So when I was the president, I said, you know, you guys are generating such – uh, a story. Um, some people think you're fake. Some people think you're real. In invariably, people are making money. Um, why don't you come to the A&MP meeting and do a thing? And her name was Dawn. Uh, and I, she said, well, we need somebody to help us write a manual on how to sell bids in this auction that we have. You know, could you help us do that? Because she knew what I was, you know, in sales and all this sort of stuff. And she had been a customer of mine um, previously. So the only reason why I give you that little bit of a story is when they came up and she said, hey, I want you to do this, I said, listen, um, I, no one's ever sold a bid before. Uh, this penny auction is a brand new product. No one's ever sold a bid, <clears throat> which is the product that you use to participate in these penny auctions. So I need to know what it's about and I need to know what you're doing. So kind of get me active in your conference calls and if you're doing any kind of a meeting, like let me jump in. There was no Zoom at that time, but let me just jump in on the conference call so I can get a feeling of what's going on so I can hear how you're presenting it and blah, blah, blah. And by the way, Kevin Grimes, we're going to come back to Kevin Grimes in my little story over here, <clears throat> was part of that, and I trusted Kevin. And um, there was a few other people that I trusted that were doing some work with them, Keith Lagos. Uh, I think Jerry Neer was actually involved with them as well, and a few other attorneys. So I'm like, okay, so there's, there's this – credible people on this side. There's people calling the scam on that side. So when I jumped in, I got a chance to listen to their conference calls and their 
other things. And actually, when they did an event, they had a, their first red carpet event. They asked me to come down, and it was kind of so disorganized at that time. It just grew out of control. I grabbed the microphone. I became almost like the MC for that, and I, I emceed a couple of the Zeke Rewards things. So I knew a lot about the inside scoop of what happened with Zeke Rewards bringing this to a full circle if you can follow me. By the way, if you have a simple brain, you can't follow things, then I apologize. You're going to get lost in this whole story. <clears throat> well, the point that I'm trying to make re relative to my – I'm bringing this back to Transact Card. With Zeke Rewards, I knew a lot that was going on. Um, and I saw what the critics were saying, which was totally wrong, um, and I wasn't defending the company. I just knew the facts. Like, and the critics were totally wrong because they were misstating the facts. In reference to the obituary they told a little bit earlier, I knew nothing about that guy, knew nothing about that opportunity. I saw the word pled guilty. I realized why people plead guilty because in Zeke Rewards, I'm flipping it back to Zeke Rewards. In Zeke Rewards, the person I spoke to uh, or about, Dawn, she pleaded guilty because her stepson, who was the computer programming wizard, Danny his name is, um, pled guilty. And Danny pled guilty only because he was socially retarded. And I say socially retarded, many programmers are. They're the awkward, they don't shower, they, you know, they drink Mountain Dew all day, they'll have ding-dongs or whatever for breakfast. And, 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 you know, they did, they're just weird that way. They're just kind of socially. Hey, hey Peter? Not, yes. Yeah, you've cut out a couple times only for a few seconds, but I just wanted to make you aware of okay. it. I don't know if there's anything you can do about it, but I just wanted to make you aware of it. And I'm not sure if it was – it might be the platform because you did the same. So I didn't interrupt you because you came back right away. So maybe the platform yeah. is having a problem, or maybe maybe it might be on your side or my side. We'll find out in the recordings. But I'll, I'll right. try to make it so I can kind of tie this up. So the reality was Danny pleaded guilty because his charges that they were going to throw up against him as being the computer guy could have left him in jail forever. Like they were talking about multiple charges with 20-year maximum sentences, and if you just added them up, you'd say you're going to be in jail for at least 20 years, maybe even 40. Maybe you'll never come out. So maybe you'll never come out. So he pled guilty to a different charge so he could get out in probably less than five, and I think he served about three. So the plea guilty thing I get, um, but I'm going to bring this back to my story. I know nothing about this Ryan Ginster guy. I knew a ton about Zeke Rewards. I'm somewhere in the middle with this Transact card stuff. So I just said the, that stuff just to say I don't know like I don't know what's going on with Transact. I do know that they have been put together rather loosely. And when I say rather loosely, I've seen on behind MLM that they left some files open for the general public, which, by the way, are still open uh, by, to the general public on their website. Like, you can still, even today, go to find the articles on Behind MLM, go to the link, and if you knew a little bit about computers, you can go up a couple of folders, and you can see that you can still pull stuff off their servers. Now, that stuff, you'd say, 
what kind of security is this? I mean, what, what is going on? Then you referenced it just a few minutes ago, Scott, when you said 32,000 customers had their credit cards stolen and were being sold on the black market. A lot of you don't, a lot of you don't know, but those credit cards, including like the full name, address, phone number, you know, your email address, then you have the credit cards and you have the expiration and the CVV, CVV numbers or the special three-letter code, um, those go for serious dollars on the black market. I mean, they could be anywhere from 8 to, you know, $30 per credit card. So, like, they have active credit card numbers. And they showed the snapshot of the sample credit card list that is being sold right now. So that's real. That's not fake. That's not an allegation. That's real. So you can go on the black web, on the dark web if you know how to go do it. You can actually see this based on the sample and see that, holy crap, they really had a severe credit card breach. Now, it's hard to have a credit card breach. Like, for instance, you – I run a business. I take credit cards. You could not get a credit card breach from me. And the reason why I say that is not because I'm so powerful is I don't even know – the credit card numbers of the people that we take. When you order from my website, you go to a place that tokenizes, tokenizes meaning encrypts, and, and puts a token number to your credit card. So if you said to me after I typed it in and processed it on my own website, Peter, what credit card did I use? Could you read back the 16 numbers? I could not tell you what it was because of the encryption. The encryption is so tight, I don't even have access to it, meaning me. I just took your credit card. If I didn't write it down and I just typed it in as you gave it to me, it's gone. So how they had 32,000 customers with 48,000 credit cards stolen leads you to believe that they're kind of loose on their everything. So there's something going on here, open files, credit card things. Here's the thing that I would say relative to what my philosophy might be, and I don't have any insight to what I'm going to say next. I think some people on the inside believe that this is what they're going to be able to build, and they're probably scrambling to try to build what they're building, and because of their level of incompetence and or something else, um, they're getting their asses kicked. So I'm going to go back to uh, Richard Smith. And I don't know anything about Richard Smith, but he's been through this three separate times, promised the same kind of thing three separate times and failed every time. So I've seen these people. They're the MLM visionaries. They're a whole bunch of bullshit. It's, a, it's bullshit and nothing backing it up. I'm not going to mention names, but there's lots of them out there where they say, we're going to be able to do this and we're going to be able to do this. And like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, you'll never be able to do that. Like, you're delusional. There's no way you can do what you're saying. But I'm going to do it, and we're going to do it, and we're going to see it from other people. And, hey, they maybe get some programmers to do some stuff. They threw Kevin Grimes' name in there as their attorney. Now, i got to share with you this. Just because Kevin Grimes is their attorney doesn't mean that it's legit. Kevin Grimes might be saying things to them like, listen, you can't do this, or this part is illegal. 
So just because you throw Kevin Grimes' name, it's not like an instant get-out-of-jail-free card. Kevin Grimes, by the way, is probably one of the best MLM attorneys out there, period. Happens to be part of uh, Thompson, Burton, Kevin Thompson, and uh, whatever Burton is. Um, but the reality is just because Kevin Grimes' name is associated with it doesn't give instant credibility. Um, he's their attorney. That doesn't, Like I said, that doesn't necessarily mean it's any good. But back to the transact card. Here's what I think probably happened. I think Richard Smith did what Richard Smith does, which is get a whole bunch of people that don't know what they're doing tied up in his fantasy. And MLMers are sometimes nice, but sometimes they're gullible. And they get wrapped up and they start doing it, and this thing is going to be launched. And then they find that the real world doesn't cater to your fantasy, Richard. Like real banks don't believe in the stuff that you do. So if you got a bank and then they found out what you're doing, however they found out what you're doing, they're going to shut you down. Well, if you're selling debit cards and you need a bank, then you're screwed. And then once you're screwed, you're really screwed. So nobody else wants to touch you because everybody that's your new bank is saying, what happened to your old one? It's kind of like if you had a new girlfriend and she said, what happened to your old girlfriend? And then she found out about what happened to the old girlfriend. She said, I'm out of here. Like, okay, you got my application fee, but I'm out of here. So I suspect that Transact Card has made a whole bunch of promises that were never possible or fell apart. Their deadlines have never been reached. They were supposed to have their Z-Bucks store open. They were supposed to have – they had a hard deadline in November. They've run across everything. And my suspicion is new people came in, and – the new people are trying to hold this thing together and make it right, and it's pretty hard to do. It's pretty hard to make something that's broken, or broken that badly right. And just recently, with that credit card, um, with that credit card uh, challenge, they're probably going to have a whole bunch of other issues as well. So uh, that's I'll I'll say that. So I just want to say that as far as that's concerned. Um, there was one other thing that nobody's talking about, but probably happened in a very similar fashion, is there's a company, I'm not going to mention the company, um, because they probably don't want me to mention them, but there was a company that had to have all of their distributors re-enter their credit card numbers in to the website, because they went down for a while. They were probably either hacked or something happened. Maybe they lost a relationship. I don't know. And then they were asking all their distributors to enter in the credit card numbers, and people were saying, like, oh, they they were fraudulent or they were just bad as far as their safety is concerned or whatever. And for me, I'm saying, no, that's, that's probably not what happened. They might have lost their merchant account. Or, or maybe something happened. Maybe they had too many chargebacks or maybe something had happened. They They had a switch and they didn't realize what they were doing. But the owner could never take the database of credit cards from one place, one merchant account, and bring it to another for the same reason, if you listen to what I said, he doesn't have them. He only has the, the basically the token number, which is worthless. Um, so he had to have you enter your credit card numbers again because once you entered the credit cards the first name, they were tokenized so he could charge you, like the rebilling stuff or the monthly stuff, but he couldn't transfer you, which is a dilemma that people like me have if we ever want to switch merchant accounts for whatever reason. 
I can't switch my merchant accounts easily because I never really have my new numbers. So if I get a better rate somewhere, I can't switch over for a better rate because I don't have the credit cards that I can move over because of the privacy and the security that they're trying to do, which Transact Card didn't do. They couldn't have done it because if they did it, then the hackers would have never been able to get their credit cards because their credit cards would have never been stored on their servers. So that's a little bit of a ramble relative to what's going on with Transact Card from my perspective. So with Ginster, I don't know anything. Zeke Rewards, I knew more than most people ever knew um, and even, you know, went through the trials. Uh, I was a witness for Paul Burks, the company owner. I was a defense witness for him as how much I actually believed in the things that they were doing that they weren't scammers. So where Transact Card is, I don't know if they're scammers. I'm going to say my best bet is no. My best bet with Transact Card is they're in an awkward position and they can't now, they got to figure out this stuff out because if they don't, they will be considered scammers because they defrauded a lot of people if this thing doesn't work out. So I don't know, Scott, if you want to ask me any of the questions on my long ramble monologue there, but um, that's what I know about Transact Card so far. Yeah, like you always say, you know, there's a lot more we don't know than what we do know. Now, I, I right. think uh, I'm, I'm kind of trying to remember, but I think some of the uh, people involved in Transact Card have a pretty shady history, and so they do. I, I weigh that I weigh that pretty heavy when I look at a story like this, and and things are just you know very rough, put it that way. Um, it, it just looks bad. It, whether it actually is bad is a different question, but you know when you have a history like like these guys do, uh, that's not good. Um, then I would lean towards this not being a good deal. But we'll find out. You know, time will. Time will tell, hopefully. We'll get more information as time goes on and, and, you know, be able to, you know, come to a decision on whether or not it's a scam. Um, this will, it certainly this, looks like one of me, play, but... Yeah, yeah, this will play out. I mean, this one won't go away. This one's going to play out. So, and I think the like I said, I think the people that are running it right now, the, 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 the founder of the company is called Richard Smith, and if you read his background, you'd say... If you were reasonable, you'd say, why in the world would you ever do anything with Richard Smith? I mean, and he's doing the same thing all over again. Like, it's like if Bernie Madoff was still alive and he says, I got this new hedge fund that we're starting. And he'd say, okay, all right, we're using risk capital here. We're going to make sure we hide the money. If we're, well, why in the world would you be dealing with Bernie Madoff, you know? You'd say that. Well, with Richard Smith, he actually wound up resigning at their convention in November. He basically said, I'm done. Like, my reputation sucks. I'm going to get out of here. I'll just be in the field building this thing. So could you imagine that co-founder resigning back to the field at the convention? You'd say, that's weird. Like that doesn't happen normally. I don't know. Do I feel really confident about it now? Do it in a couple of extra question marks. So there, there must be something. And I don't know, there's a guy named Peter Rancy who I don't know anything about, but he has a very significant banking background. So you'd say, well, maybe he might be able to, do something with this. I don't know. I'm for me. I wouldn't. I'm just telling you. For me personally, tons of people have asked me. This is like the shiny object over the last couple of years. Lots of people have asked me to to take a position or do something with this. I like the concept, cash back in the Z Buck store. If it was real, I just said I don't know if these guys are going to be able to pull it off because I don't know if they'll be able to. It doesn't seem like real. 
so we'll see. I think I'm going to be right, but I'm going to move. I'm going to stay with my position, Scott, that I don't think the new people are the scammers. I think they're trying to keep this thing together so they don't get caught or accused of, or worse, being the scammers. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, worse and worse and worse. So back to you. Yeah, and one thing we can depend on is this website behind MLM.com does a really good job of following up on stories. They they really do, um, you know, look at the court records as, as they're updated and put out update stories. So th- that's something I'm very comfortable with that we're going to see more about this on this website um, as time goes on. So. All right. So the next one could, is actually going to – Hey, if, yeah, go ahead. if I could just throw a special note in, some of the best stuff on Behind MLM is not what Behind MLM author writes. It's in the comments. So yeah. in the comments is where um, you can find a lot of stuff because people will throw in um, snapshots of different things or links to other things as well. So the – Active commenters, by the way, they're all anti-MLMers, so there's no pro-MLMers in there. So this is all anti-MLM stuff. But the in the comment section, you can sometimes find some real gems. I mean, some really good stuff. So I'd say besides reading the biased article that Oz writes, you're going to – meaning – Bias meaning against MLM, because I don't think there's an MLM he's ever written anything positively about or hardly ever anything positively about. Um, and he's very – he or she, whatever Oz is, um, is someone who is um, uh, certainly biased. But like I said in the comments, you'll find things, and what he does is he um, he deactivates the link. So if you're new and if you don't know it's a link – the reason why he deactivates it, I guess, is he, number one, he doesn't want you to leave his site for advertising purposes, but um, I don't know why else he would do it. But you have to kind of look and you have to say, okay, I'm going to highlight this, copy it, put it into my browser, and then it's going to pop up. So if it looks like a link, it might be, but it won't be clickable from behind MLM. So I just want to kind of throw that out there for the newbies on the Internet. Uh, you know, some of this stuff won't be clickable, but it is a real active link. So back to you, Scott. Right. Yeah, you just have to copy and paste it into your browser. Um, and and uh, I wish he would include when he refers to, for example, certain court documents to actually put the link to that court document in the story. He doesn't do that normally. And so you have to kind of believe what he says and, and not that he's lying about anything, but um, I think there's often times when he misses some really key points from the document that he's referring to, and so it would be nice to have that information available too, um, but he's refused to do that. He's explicitly said, I'm not going to do that, and, and I don't know why, because it's not that much trouble, and you, you're able to So I think there's a lot of upside, very little downside to doing that. But that's it's his website, it's his decision. So there you go. Um, and you're right, he, he really doesn't like MLMs. Um, and now, there are occasional pro-MLM comments. And Scott, you're, 
Hey, Scott, your, your phone is crapping out a little bit, so I don't know if it's this platform or it might be your phone. Okay. Yeah, I just heard your voice. Um, I didn't realize I was, um, you know. You're okay, though. I, it's not that bad, but it, it'll go yeah. out for maybe 10, 10 seconds, and most of the times you can still understand what you were saying. Right, right. Okay. Same same on your side. That's about what five to ten seconds every right. few minutes okay. is, is what it sounds like. So, um, so do okay. You so to, next... Do you want to try to call back in? Yeah, let me do that. I'll hang up and come right back. All right. So we're here. All right. So I'll be right back. For all those people that are familiar with our friend, I'll just place up. I was going to play some background music. Hold on. Hey, Peter. Okay, you're you back. It? Yep, I can all hear right. you now. Okay, good. Very yep. good. The show okay. must go on. <laughs> Yay. Dude, we'll see if it keeps happening. Um, so, yeah, the next story is actually the next story on the Behind NLM website. Um, it, it's a February 2nd, 2024 story. And we've talked about this company before, so I wanted to mention it. Um, it's called Mirror Trading International. Uh, the abbreviation, of course, is MTI, and the headline is MTI Net Winners Subject to BTC Clawbacks, in parentheses, and it's a mess. Uh, I think BTC is Bitcoin. I, I believe that's what that stands for. Um, and this is kind of an ongoing saga. And I think this is based in South Africa, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and the government for the longest time didn't seem to want to go after the company. Uh, they put out warnings and so forth, but now it looks like they are going to do it, but it's kind of confusing. And maybe it's because it's a different country and different laws. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it's hard to understand exactly why they're doing it the way they're doing it, um, but it certainly is different than anything I've ever seen. But they are going after the net winners. That's that's the main point. Um, so I think it's a good thing. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to make any more comments about that one. Nope, we're good to go. And BTC so next one, Okay. Um, so the next one, you know, we've talked about uh, this company in the recent past as well. Um, it's another February 2nd, 2024 story. The headline is, uh, ACN appears to be collapsing outside of the U.S. Um, and, and both in Europe and over in the uh, Western Pacific area, uh, it looks like what ACN is doing is basically shutting down their shop, and, and they do things like telephone and energy and different services, um, you know, in an MLM model. Uh, but apparently they're not, their business is not going well, uh, particularly overseas. And so what they're doing is essentially finding another MLM that their, their uh, distributors can move over to because they're shutting down their own operation. And these are generally companies that have no similarity to, you know, these utility services essentially that ACN is known for. Um, and one of them uh, over in the Western Pacific area, I can't remember exactly the countries, but it's like Malaysia and Indonesia, you know, maybe Korea, um, is Neora, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, personal care stuff, basically. Uh, so it, it's really an abrupt change for these distributors to go from, you know, one line of business to another very completely different one. I have to give them credit for 
trying to find them a new home. Um, and, and there certainly aren't that many companies like ACN out there that they can swap over, you know, to a similar uh, product line, so to speak. Um, but it, it's just interesting. And you wonder how well they're doing here in the United States as well. Uh, so far they haven't at least publicly said they're shutting down the United States, but you know, as you shut down around the world and, and basically find your distributors a new home, it'll be interesting to see how many of them actually are interested in Neora or one of these other companies. Um, there's another one in Sweden that they um, sold their business to for the European side of things. Um, so yeah, it's just a kind of an interesting story. Uh, they also sold off a, some kind of, a, um, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, kind of read the story again as I talk, but it's some kind of a, um, marketing tool um, and they sold that off to a company um, that is in the telecommunications business. It looks like it's most, mostly cellular um, and they, they sold this marketing tool off to them. Um, so th this company is D-I-R-I, Deary, I don't know how you, how you pronounce it, uh, but they're trying to expand into Colombia and Peru. I think they're mostly in Mexico now. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on with ACN. Of course, we said last week or week before the news of um, Donald Trump's uh, class action lawsuit against him was thrown out of court. Um, not so much, you know, from an individual complaint, just that it wasn't a class that could take action against him. So there's like three distributors that, that started the class action lawsuit and they can certainly go back to their own state and file their own individual lawsuits, but they were only out maybe, you know, a couple thousand dollars or whatever each. And so it would hardly be worth the uh, attorney fees unless you're one of these people that really hates Donald Trump and you're willing to keep it going. Um, it, it just doesn't make financial sense uh, to me to keep uh, these individual lawsuits going. Um, and I doubt that had much to do with what was going on overseas, even though uh, Bill Keep, like you said, comments are, are a gold mine. <laughs> he, he, made a, he made a comment, well, do you think this is related to the uh, class action lawsuit being denied? And, and of course, uh, the, the response from uh, Oz, the guy that runs the, the uh, Behind MLM website, said, Probably not. I mean, it, just to ask that question is kind of silly. Um, but, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Bill Keep is a libtard, and so he's looking for any kind of, you know, opportunity to um, throw dirt on Donald Trump, basically. Um, that's that's my take on, uh, you know, where he comes from uh, politically, and not to mention just logically. <laughs> there isn't much. Um, and so, yeah, this is just an interesting story on how um, the whole thing has progressed. There was another piece of this um, as I was digging into this. Part of this company was also sold off to a, I think it was this one. Oh, by the way, the one in Europe is called Zinzino. I don't know exactly what they do over there in Europe, but they, um, they're the ones that bought out ACN in, in Europe. There's another part of the story, and I'm trying to remember where the hook is, um, but they were also talking about a company called VMA, and 
I, I clicked on that and I saw, uh, or I, I went to that company's website. VMA Life is the is the n- name of the company, and on their website, I saw some products that looked pretty familiar to me. Um, they they were the exact shape and color of Vima, and I don't remember this, but back in 2017, we probably covered this story, Peter, back in 2017, mm-hmm. is that uh, when the FTC was coming after Vima in this country, which is V-E-M-M-A. Um, they had a subsidiary company over in, I think, South Korea. And when the heat started to to show itself uh, with with this country, um, and also they you know they did shut down operations in Europe at that time for Vima, um, but this other company um, that was in Korea renamed themselves V-M-A Life. And, and that's why those product pictures, you know, was, was really a, an eye opener to me, a reminder. And then as I dug into these backstories on, you know, these older stories on behind MLM, that's exactly what happened was right around that same time. They just, you know, changed the name because they didn't want to be associated with uh, Vima, you know, the, the Vima company, because they were in big trouble. And um, Vima has since reopened. Um, there's, there's some anti MLM Huns out there that say they were shut down. They were shut down. No, they were temporarily shut down. Um, they're back open. Uh, they renamed themselves, uh, Bode, B-O-D-E. Um, and you can find again, a likeness to their previous products and it's the same owner. Uh, they have a, they have an MLM model. That's another thing that some of these anti MLM Huns just do not know what they're talking about. They do not do their research. Um, but you can find on the Bodhi website at the bottom, there's a disclaimer down there saying, do not promote Bodhi in countries that Bodhi is not present, you know, where, where, the, where the MLM model for Bodhi is not allowed to be exercised, which tells me quite plainly they are an MLM still, just like they were before. And they were not told to stop being an MLM uh, with the settlement, they were just told if you're going to be an MLM, you got to have at least 51% retail sales. And, and so, yeah, the MLM Huns, they're just wrong. It, it's amazing how wrong they are. And it's easily demonstrable just by things like their own websites. You know, the, the Bodhi website itself talks about being an MLM. So it's, it's crazy how, how much stupidity is out there. But yeah, this is a really, interesting multifaceted story with ACN. And who knows, you know, how well they're doing here. I, I don't know. Um, but it's definitely not a good thing. Um, and, and of course they, they cited the fact, and it's probably true, you know, with the, uh, uh, uh the virus that was going around, you know, the, what you call it, coronavirus, um, that it really did upset a lot of businesses, uh, including this one, apparently. Um, <clears throat> although you would think this type of a business uh, would tend to do better because, you know, there's no physical products. And so, you know, there's no chance of passing a virus from, let's say, the, the uh, company to the, you know, people that are doing the shipping to the customers uh, because it's all just services and there's no hands-on any products. Um, 
but apparently the market has changed as well. There's more companies out there um, commoditizing what ACN offers. And so they just didn't have, you know, a, a uh, competitive advantage um, apparently with their, with their services. So that's, um, that's what they say. And I would tend to believe that's, you know, uh, why they are just not able to continue operations in most places of the world, put it that way. Um, anything more on that one? No, they've been they've been basically hammered with a bad reputation for a while, and the, the Donald Trump lawsuits never helped. They, he was propped up. ACM was propped up on The Apprentice, although I never you know watched The Apprentice. They were propped up on The Apprentice, and that's why Donald Trump was and his family were sued. Um, that was thrown out. But the reality is, is that ACM's had a tough time. So it's not surprising that eventually they're you know basically fading away. And a lot of companies have basically sold out on the U.S. So most of their expansion is overseas, and that uh, Korea is huge. Uh, South Korea, obviously, is huge. Um, and some of the other uh, Asian countries are very big in MLM. So they're having many, much of their expansion over there, and it looks like you know, New York is picking up some crumbs over here, and some other companies are picking up some crumbs over there. So you know, the bottom line is I'm sure it's a fragmented business that's on its way out. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, things that um, they were really overcome by technology. Uh, years ago, they had, you know, a unique product. They had a phone with a screen that you could do video. Uh, now, you had to have that type of phone on both ends of the conversation for it to work. But we all know, you know, cell phones and face. FaceTime and all that stuff um, is is a piece of cake now, and, and so they lost their competitive advantage. And um, there's just a lot of other similar and even better products probably out there. You know, you can imagine being tied to a a phone that's connected to a you know either a, a phone line or an internet line versus your cell phone that you can walk around with. That's you know very much more uh, functional to be able to to do video. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it has day and it looks like it didn't change enough to keep up with technology and it looks like it's on its way out. We'll see. Maybe they have a plan to, to make another change and rescue themselves and, you know, grow again in the future, but that's where they stand right now. Um, so there's a couple other stories here that I'm just going to kind of read the headlines just to point out that there's other companies being warned and so forth. Um, uh, the next one is Zandex Securities Fraud Warning from Australia. That was a February 1st, 2024 story. Um, and then there's an Altera Global, quote-unquote, suspected scam warning from New Zealand. So the people down under are busy. Um, there's another one, SKP Mine Ponzi Fraud Warning from Philippines. So it's really making its way around. Um, another one, Titan Capital Markets Ponzi Fraud Warning from Philippines, again, same country, two warnings. Um, uh, there's one here, IX Global and Debtbox continue securities fraud with IN8 NFT grift. Uh, so this is another interesting story because, um, you know, the SEC was caught um, essentially lying um, to the court when they had an ex parte appearance, which means only they were in front of the judge, not the company. So it was very one-sided. And they, they told some fibs as far as various dates that things happened. And when the judge found out about it, he was 
obviously upset uh, because he said, look, you're here by yourself. Um, there's no one to push back on you. Uh, so you better tell the truth. Well, he didn't. And they claim it was an honest mistake and yada, yada. You know, <laughs> I, I don't hold the SEC as any more uh, moral or ethical than any scam artist. So, you know, they're going to say what they need to say to try to save face. But uh, they basically also uh, decided to drop the case um, without they, – they wanted the case dropped without prejudice, which means they can refile the case in the future if they want to. Um, if it was with prejudice, which is what the company wants, the uh, IX Global, um, then the FTC really could not sue them again, um, which would – you know, really be a bad thing if IX Global is actually scamming people and then the SEC can't sue them again because it was with prejudice. Um, now, I, I think if you come in with very unique facts, even if it's with prejudice, you can still, you know, potentially uh, have a lawsuit that would be accepted by the court, but I think it would be harder for it to be accepted. I think that's and again, I'm not a lawyer, but I think that's, you know, what's at stake here as far as, um, and the judge hasn't decided if it's going to be with or without prejudice. Um, but the, the SEC has claimed that they're doing all this training and not just on this one topic, but other topics. And they're going to have senior attorneys involved in future uh, cases to make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen again, uh, as if it should have happened in the first place, right? <laughs> but, but anyway, um, th that is another interesting story that has some unique features to it, um, the SEC versus IX Global. Anything more on that one? I think I saw one of the MLM attorneys interview the founder of this IX Global thing, and I think it might have even been Kevin Thompson. So I think if you do a YouTube video, you might be able to see. And what you'll see from the interview of the president is he's a young man who probably, you know, wanted to build an MLM on his own and didn't really know a lot about building an MLM and probably was doing a lot of things that were questionable or needed to be tidied up and because he didn't know. So I don't think he did it maliciously. I think he just was basically copying everybody else in the MLM business model that he was in. And the FCC looked at him as an easy catch. So they went in there and they just said, probably gave it to some like younger guys. I'm just making this part up, but basically said, hey, you guys go in there and you know, this is an easy one. Like, this is an easy one. He's already belly hooked. I mean, this is anybody can get this one. And when they went in there, they did it wrong. So due to their incompetence, meaning it was their SEC's incompetence, I mean, something super duper simple, their level of incompetence, um, they blew it. And now this guy gets a second chance because they had to say, nope, we, we blew it. We don't want to identify that we blew it. Everybody knows that we blew it. It's an embarrassing moment. It's kind of like when just recently Boeing – I heard, and I don't know if this is true, you know, Boeing had like a door a door fall off or some plates fall off of a new jet, and they found out that the jet was actually shipped without the rivets <laughs> or the, the, the basically the plate not really riveted correct to the body of the engine. You'd say, whoa, that was somebody's screw up. Or I think there was recently something, Scott, where there was a flashlight left in an engine of like a fighter jet and when they turned on the fire jet to test it after that, the flashlight fucked up the whole engine and blew up like a 
$15 million plane or $150 million plane or whatever the hell it was. He said, that was a rookie fuck-up. So I think because of a rookie fuck-up, the SEC is probably not going to be going after IX Global. So they have a little bit of leeway, but don't be overconfident, IX Global, because they're looking. They don't like to be they don't like to be blemished like they've been. And if you're doing something wrong, they're going to come after you. It probably won't be this year. But it'll be eventually. Somebody's going to have a hard-on for you eventually, especially if you start to get a little bit bigger. So that's the way I read what happened with the SEC and this IX Global thing. Yeah, and another thing that the judge asked the SEC to do is explain why I should not punish you. <laughs> so, yeah. so the SEC had to come back on bended knee going, well, we're just going to drop the case, so just let it go with that. <laughs> We're going to improve our processes and, you know, let's just smooth it over here, Judge. So, again, you know, we don't know what the judge is going to do, um, you know, but they've kind of, you know, fell on their sword to the obvious. And um, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear more about this one, too, as far as what the judge decides to do with this really bad behavior. You know, when you're you're the government and and you're doing an ex parte hearing, which is one-sided, you better be telling the truth. And, and if you're not, boy, is that ever a blemish? You know, that's that's just really bad. Um, you know, the expectation is you've got to be honest about those kinds of situations because there's no one there to push back on you. That's the point. The judge is not going to push back because the judge doesn't know any better. All the judge knows is what you're telling him or her. So, you know, you've got to be honest and and unfortunately a lot of these government agencies are just they're as greedy as the MLM scam artists are uh, but they're greedy to win the case so they can get a promotion they can be hired by one of these companies or you know whatever their their thing is going into politics you know with this track record of yes I you know beat down this company and won in court that, that's what they're after you know they're after some of the same things uh, just in a little different way. So it's, it's, it is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough world. It's <laughs> whether, whether you're on one side or the other, it's, it's, it's nasty. Um, and, I, and I know it's nasty because when Amway sued me, they were nasty. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that in my mind. So it, it's, you know, it's rough and tumble. So anyway, anything more on that one? No, the the only last thing is is that we're talking about this in reference to like what the SEC did wrong, but the damages is probably already done to the people that were previously in IX Global. So for the company owner, say he's a nice guy trying to do the right things, and all of a sudden you get the government coming after you, and they do all these things ex parte, try to shut you down, threaten you, and probably added a lot of stress to his life. I'm sure in dog years he's far less going to live a longer life. He's probably really stressed out. He probably lost a shit ton of money. He's probably lost a whole bunch of people that aren't firm believers. Probably had his reputation dragged through the mud, all that sort of stuff. So there's some real damages, even if, he, even if he's a good guy trying to do the right thing. Um, or a good guy trying to do the right thing, and maybe he needed to tidy up his uh, his own business. So there's lots of victims to this. I mean, the bottom line is there's lots of victims, so we'll give everybody their due. So back to you, Scott. What's next? Yeah, and really, yeah, we got, that, that's we got a about good five minutes. We got about five minutes left. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's a good analogy for New York, too, right? They went through heck for years, and then they won their case. But there's all that stress and all that, you know, you don't know if you're going to win or lose for years and years. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's tough. So, um, okay, the next one, um, there's a bunch of stories here that have really been results-oriented. Um, you know, usually we get these updates, but there's just been – I don't think I've skipped a story yet on this website. Uh, the next one is Brenda – Chuenga's hyperfund criminal plea deal. So there's a criminal, uh, you know, admission of guilt, basically. Another one for the same company, Rodney Burton arrested en route to Dubai, denied bail, which reminds me, there's a story somewhere in here where it looks like Dubai is starting to get fed up with all these uh, scam artists settling in Dubai because they don't have the extradition treaties, and it may not be quite the haven that it has been for years. Um, it looks like maybe Dubai is saying, you know, this is making us look not too good as a country. Um, so we'll see what happens. But it looks like there's a trend in that direction that Dubai is not going to be quite so friendly um, like it has been for a lot of these people. Um, so anything more on those? Good to go. Oh, and by the way, so just a little one, side yeah. note. Yeah, just a little side note as we're talking. Um, there's some notes being added to the Transact Card article that you had read, and we spoke about a little bit earlier. It looks like they're changing their name to Finmore, F-I-N-M-O-R-E, I believe. So it looks like that's happening literally as we speak. So if you went to Behind MLM and you found that article. And then you hit refresh and you go down and look at the comments. It looks like those types of things are happening maybe as we speak. Live on the radio. Wow, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, look at this, live updates. So the next story, again, it's a result. Joseph Camarado's SEC judgment tops $50.4 million. That was a company called InvestView. Um, uh, there's another Tragistus pyramid scheme fraud warning from Russia. We've seen Russia much more um, – active in the warnings in the past few months. Uh, there's another story here on this, uh, this uh, Hyperfund co-founder, whatever. It's the same one as um, the Rodney Burton company. Uh, SEC charges Hyperfund, Sam Lee, and Brenda Chionga. Um, that was an earlier one to the one that she apparently had a plea deal. Um, what you mentioned earlier, 32,000 transact card accounts breached, user data for sale. Um, now, all of that is still alleged, right? There, there's no confirmation that those 32,000 um, accounts are are legitimate. We believe they are, but I don't think there's been a confirmation of that. So we'll see yeah, what happens a, with that one, a, too. The company hasn't said it yet, but if you go look at the snapshot, of the thing that was listed by the person selling the credit cards, you can see it's real data. Like you can see it's real data. So there's, I mean, it's there's real no data, question. but is it, is, it, is it made up? Is it is it accurate? No, it looks accurate. Yeah, it I, looks accurate. But how do you know unless you know, you know, unless it, you're like one of those people? How do you right. know that that's real stuff? You I think, think ninety nine percent it's real stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I know I data, say. but I'd, I'd say it's it's real stuff. Yeah, yeah, because you could come up with the the data and change one or two numbers here and there, you know, right. such that it's not exactly the same, but it looks real. Um, and we'll find out. It, it'll it'll come out. <laughs> it'll come out. Um, 
so the other one here, again, it was kind of a prelude to the other ones, Hyperfund, Sam Lee, Rod Burton, and Brenda Chunga indicted. Um, there's one called uh, Zero Review, Three Collapse Dubai Scams Form Mega Ponzi. I think this is the one where I started getting a whiff that um, Dubai is not real interested anymore in uh, being the haven <laughs> because these three guys got together apparently that uh, each had their own separate Ponzi schemes and they formed one together. Uh, so yeah, it's just one of those, <laughs> that's one of those things. Um, InvestView's former accountant fined $400,000 over audits. The guy didn't do his job. He was, you know, kind of cooking the books as they say. Um, and I think, I think this is where we left off last week. Uh, Peter was one coins. Mark Scott sentenced to 10 years in prison. He could have gotten 50, I think it was, um, but he got 10, which I thought was kind of on the low end of what he should have gotten. Um, but he's 55 years old, 10 years in prison. If he makes it to 65, he will be an old man because prison ages you. Um, but I thought he would get a, a larger sentence for being involved in $400 million of uh, money laundering. We, we've seen far less amounts of money um, in much greater sentences than that. So, it's it's interesting. I guess if you have the right lawyers, um, you can get an easier sentence. And this has been almost five years since he was convicted. So this whole time, you know, he's been appealing and different things and all that. So um, so I'll stop there um, because we are at the end of the time here, Peter. How has it been going? Has it been not cutting out anymore? No, you've been okay. Yeah, for the most part. Since okay, so maybe – Good. Maybe maybe it was my connection. So anyway, I'll stop there. Let you sign us off, and and we'll get to be, get back together next week. I think I might have a guest next week. I don't know yet, but um, very interesting guy has a very interesting story, um, and we'll see where that goes. Um, it's still kind of tentative, but anyway, I just wanted to kind of uh, wet the whistle, so to speak, <laughs> for next week's show. Well, um, I was doing something. I'll, we'll take a look at this maybe next week if we're going to review stories. But I knew the word that the, the company InvestQ was kind of ringing in my ear. I didn't know where it came from. And I just looked quickly online, and it says over here, iGenius is a subsidiary of the publicly traded company called InvestView. So I'll see if those are related because I know a lot of the MLM Huns have jumped on iGenius um, and that's been all over the place as well. So they'll be kind of curious to see the connection. But Scott, why don't you give out your website? So have that again. Yeah, I've got three websites. I've got a YouTube channel, the link to this radio show, uh, my email, my telephone number. It's all on my Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Scott text Johnson, S C O T T T E X J O H N S O N all one word. And Peter, thanks again. We'll uh, talk to you next Saturday. We'll see you then. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Building Fortunes Radio on buildingfortunesradio.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time for the designated Building Fortunes Radio segment with Peter Mingle. Be sure to check out the buildingfortunesradio.com website for our featured segments. It's been our privilege to have you listen in. At Building Fortunes Radio, we wish you the success you deserve and are willing to work for. So spread the word, tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world.